Hi everyone, welcome to the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number one. My name is Robin Lewis from robinlewismakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk, Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks and Jordan Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. We live stream this recording every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch it or listen to it later on YouTube, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. So at this stage, we would normally go into our weekly segment or we'd talk about the weekly topic. Um, but what we thought we'd do is for our first um, episode, we'd just talk about who we are and what we do and, and maybe just introduce ourselves as a way of starting off this podcast because this is a new podcast. Are we so, going to do... Are we going to do, uh, should we do uh, what we're working on first or um, the topic? We can do that. I was going to go, I was going to start with um, who we are first and then okay. move into that. Fine. Just so that, ah, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Because then people know who we are and what we're doing. So, yeah. So, um, in that case, I might hand it over to you, Joey, and give us a bit of a story of where Joey Chalk oh, came God. from. All righty, everyone. Right, um, so I am Joey. I'm third generation woodworker person. Um, granddad was a furniture maker, made um, lots. I've got a couple of pieces of his furniture, and uh, he used to make rowing skiffs as well out of plywood in, in the 30s. Um, and uh, my dad's a builder, my brother's a builder, my uncle's a builder. People work with wood. Uh, so I guess I really got into woodworking when I was 13. I started making my own skateboards, uh, mainly because they were too expensive and I kept breaking them all the time. Um, so with a bit of help from dad, loaned me some cash and bought some veneers, some maple veneers from uh, Canada, some I think it was. Um, made a press, pressed some boards, worked out how hard they were to make <laughs> and um, <laughs> I eventually, I mean, it got to the point pretty quick, probably within two years. So by the time I was in the middle of high school, I was earning a good amount of money selling skateboards to local skate shops. And um, so that was a pretty big introduction into quality control and how fussy customers can be. Uh, <laughs> especially when you're just going to throw something at a piece of concrete. The minute you walk out the door, people were crazy fussy. So um, uh, to what happened after that, after school, I got into building because uh, that was the family trade. Um, so all through high school, I would spend holidays um, working on the building site with dad. And so pretty much by the time I finished school, I was pretty capable i i could pretty much build a house from 17 18. um so i continued working with him for a few years he ended up shifting to australia for a little while so i needed some work so i started my own building company and did that for a couple of years um and ended up with four builders full-time which was uh pretty crazy, pretty stressful. Uh, and the stress really got to me. And I one day ended up being rushed into hospital with uh, 
uh, appendicitis, which turned out to be a big fat cancerous tumor on my appendix. Oh, so that was fun, a fun week. And um, so then I think 10 days later, they went back in and took half of my large bowel out and a bunch of other guts and um, some chemo for six months, which was not so much fun. And that's when I really decided I'd always been interested in, I knew I'd always been interested in furniture making and just custom making awesome stuff. Um, but that's when I was like, well, I've got all this time, got six months of chemo. Um, let's go and sit in a workshop and see what I can come up with. So I, <laughs> I think the first project I made was a guitar. Acoustic guitar made every piece. I think the only thing I bought, I bought the nut and the bridge, and pretty much everything else I made from scratch, which was ridiculous. There's no way I could have been making anything like that. Um, yeah, because still... guitars are, yeah, I mean, that's, that's precision stuff, oh. isn't it? What's well, supposed to be? <laughs> it's precision, but I mean, there's so much more to it. Like when I spent a grand total of two or three hours researching how to make a guitar and then i was like right go buy some maple and i'm gonna make a maple make maple guitar um so that was i was so above my uh head with the, what i needed to be able to do um, but I, I have a thing that looks like a guitar and it almost sounds like one um wh what i know now about how how they make them uh, I don't think I would try one for a while yet, but. Um, and I guess yeah. especially because now you're at the stage where you know what quality is, so your guitar would need to be up to that standard. So it's yeah, a different ball game now. So. Yeah, I think so. To me, like, I'm actually now would look at a guitar job as I don't really care what it looks like, it's what mm -hmm. it sounds like. And while the guitars are things that you handle and they should feel nice and look nice, uh, I think uh, if it doesn't sound good but looks nice, there's no point. So I'd much rather whatever yeah, I make very true. Um, sound really cool and look like a piece of crap. <laughs> um, and yeah, so yeah, I think that's what makes really good guitar makers really good is that they sound really good and they look really good as well. There's two different things I think happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and from there, pretty much, I, I went straight into a Maloof style rocking chair, um, which again is ridiculous. I actually have that chair. The first first chair I ever made was a Maloof style rocking chair building client they wanted it in their shop it was going into a, um, a clothing store and mm -hmm. I said yeah sure I'll make you a rocking chair um, and they off they just closed their shop down like last year and offered me if I wanted it back and I was like yep and so that's sitting in my bedroom now so that's pretty cool to have that it's terrible I can't believe uh, I, I would do a, a lot of things differently but I think for yeah. my first go it wasn't too bad um, and again, ridiculous going into a Maloof rocking chair for your second project. That's, uh, but at the time, I think I was like, uh, I really felt like I didn't have much time left. I'm still on chemo and I'm just like, I've got to get these, these like dream projects out, mm -hmm. just get them done. And, yeah. um, 
certain point I still feel that way a little bit. Not that, oh my God, I'm going to die tomorrow, but um, you never know what's coming down the track. And so just get into it, start making stuff because yeah. uh, otherwise, you know, you know, what, what are you waiting for? So, um, you know, which is interesting. And I'm, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on this topic in one of the yeah. future episodes where we talk about that whole, you know, making this a, a thing on YouTube, but that whole get started, just do it. It's like, is, is one of the mantras of everyone on this website. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a shame that I needed such a big wake up call. And I guess mm. a lot of people probably need a similar thing. And it's a shame. I would like to be able to think that me just telling people just, just do it. You know, if you need to do what you need to do, go get a piece of wood or steel or whatever it is and start joining it together. So. Mm. Right, where was I? Like, so we've made a guitar and a an overly uh, yeah, complicated right. chip. Yeah, and then uh, so I had a few projects come up from some family, my father-in-law, and uh, and somehow I don't even remember who the clients were. But by the time my six months of chemo was up, I had three clients, two clients, um, jobs booked in. It was like a a little buffet side table and something else oh, i actually think one of them was a teak outdoor table it's ridiculous again yeah. um and uh so that was it i said okay I'll, I'll do these jobs and then next thing you know there's another order someone else emailing and i'm like okay i better get a website going and rebrand and and all this kind of mm -hmm. things and suddenly oh, suddenly i've got a business and I'm making stuff and I'm trying to work out how to make stuff. Um, and I think that was, sorry, go, go on. I was just going to say, so that transition into becoming a business was a very organic process for you. It wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like you woke up one morning and said, I'm going to, I'm going to be a woodworker and started learning. You had already gone 75% of the way. To a certain point, there was a conversation at some point when me and my wife sat down and said, I said, I think, I think I should just try this. Um, I'm not sure where that was in the timeline, but I remember we're saying, I think we just try it. We don't have many expenses at the moment because I had to sell the house. And so we were living with um, my wife's parents. And so we were like stuffed in a room, got a garage workshop. Um, let's just give it a go. We've got nothing to lose at this point. Uh, and once okay. we realized that there's money to be made, Okay, we can probably reduce our, uh, our um, what do you say, reduce our, our expenses. You know, we don't need to go to the movies twice a week, you know, all yeah. these kinds of things and, um, and make it work and have more fun doing it. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's a bit of a windy road. <laughs> yeah. All right. So after you joined the, after you started doing this full time, um, is the rest just metaphorical history? Uh, let's see. Mm, I made a wee list. Okay, so I started. So when I moved into this workshop, which you can see if you are watching, um, we I we bought this workshop uh, outright. When I got cancer, I got a payout for my life insurance. So I think 
maybe some people have a perception that I have all this money from um, rich from making furniture. Yeah. It's not really the case. I was given a whole crap load of money. And from that, we bought this workshop and um, bought enough tools to get me going, decent sized tools, and um, spent some money on a website and all these kinds of things. So it was enough of a bump to get me to a point where we could start. Um, <clears throat> so when we moved into this uh, workshop, I had a few jobs pretty much straight away. I, uh, and I, I think one of the first jobs uh, and here is uh, on one of my first videos, which is the Shaker style furniture videos. Uh, very early, terrible videos. <laughs> and uh, that the reason I made, so how do I backtrack? Uh, I started filming my work as a way of showing clients what goes into making a good piece of furniture. And what I would do is film it edit it together and when I deliver the, deliver a piece I would give it to the client and say look at this if you want to watch you can see you can see your piece being made but I also the best part of it was that I could show potential clients you want this thing yeah cool look at this look how much work it takes to make this thing yeah and it's yeah it's not just slap slap screw screw that's done. right yeah and so now when you see the price uh, it's going to be you, it's kind of building them up to the price. Um, that's how I felt. I actually don't think my prices are that expensive now. At the time, I was thinking, um, you know, two, three thousand dollars for a, a dining table. Like, oh my god, that's so much. <laughs> but um, it's actually fairly reasonable. So, yeah. Uh, when you see what's on the market now, certainly. Um, so, and then someone told me about YouTube and said, "Hey, why don't you put YouTube uh, your videos on YouTube?" And my biggest reason for not doing that was I didn't want to deal with the haters. I just thought all I'm going to get is awful feedback and I don't know that I can deal with it um, mm -hmm. kind of mentally. So, but I got over that hurdle for some, I don't even know why. I, I, it took me a long time to push kind of send on that one. And next thing you know, you know, videos are being watched and and I just kept making them because I actually enjoy the process of making videos. So, um, and, and if people get something out of that, learn a little tip here and there, um, that's my job done, I guess. So, um, that's, and that's where I am now. I'm just flat out. I, I have a one employee who works part-time, full-time, part-time. So he works half days. Mm. And um, we're just flat out with jobs at the moment. And I guess the fact that business is picking up is obviously always good because, yeah, it keeps you doing it. I know there's a lot of people out there who are trying to do this full time and are really struggling. So, yeah, you know, yep. I, guess, I guess you're quite fortunate with that. And that's a, that's a perfect segue then to uh, move over to Mr. Jordan Crawford because uh, Jordan's in the same boat as Joey doing it full time. But I'll let you take over, Jordan, and bring everyone up to speed on how you got there. Yeah, so basically who I am is Jordan Crawford, as uh, Robin said, and what I am is a furniture maker in Perth, Western Australia, so other end of the country, um, to Rob. And yeah, I've been doing this for about two years full time, uh, but it's not the first time I've attempted to do it full time, which I'll get into a little bit. Um, 
on top of that, I also run a YouTube channel like both of these guys do, which is George Woodshop. Um, and that's kind of developed more into a documentation channel of what client builds I'm working on now or what commissions and things are coming up more than the conventional how-to uh, thing that it did start out as. Uh, Background-wise, I started, I mean, it's a bit all over the place, but I started out in live theatre, uh, which is a bit different because it was building sets which are, you know, 10 metres tall or several storeys high, and it's definitely more general carpentry than it is furniture making. Um, but it was still a very hands-on approach to the to the art of woodworking. Um, so for the seven, eight years, I was building and repairing sets or removing sets, um, doing things like the automation and the rigging and doing massive amounts of things that you wouldn't consider normal was my day-to-day -day life, but that obviously added up to things like 70-hour weeks was my normal and a 90-hour work week wasn't that uncommon and it just really did take it out of you. Um, yes. But from that job did come a lot of benefits because it came with a lot of travel. Right. So I got to see a lot of places and I got to travel all around Australia, all around New Zealand. I got to go to all these really unique places which all had similar people like me working, but we all have our own methods and techniques. And through these people I met is where I kind of gained a lot of these less conventional methods that I like to use. Um, but, you know, that, that's more the carpentry side of things, which I don't do that much of anymore. Would uh, you travel, sorry to interrupt, would, would you travel uh, with the theatre company as the, the set carpenter uh, or some other role? Uh, generally speaking, when I was touring, you tour as a bit of a jack of all trades if you're touring with a show because you'll go into the venue or onto the, onto the site and you'll have a team who's locals. But my, my position was, yeah, the, the um, carpenter or the stage staging guy is the title <laughs> that we're given, mechanist. Right. Um, but yeah, so generally if it was an opera, I'd be repairing the set and getting the locals to put it together according to the Bible, which is what we call the, the piece of paper, which tells you how to put it all together and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Cool. Um, most recently, I've been with a puppet show for three years, which doesn't sound that exciting, but it's a whole lot of automation and heavy robotics, which is an entirely different ballgame, but keeps you interesting. Um, is, is that a particularly regulated... Um, so you talk about that Bible, is that particularly regulated as in liability is just a massive concern for everyone? Not really. It's more so if, say that I'm the head mechanist or the head staging guy and I get hit by a bus, the show has to go on. So <laughs> the, the, it, it has to happen. So there has to be documentation there that means right. that, Rob, if you're the guy that's in the next venue, you can read this and it will take you 25 hours instead of two hours, but it will get done. Yeah. So it, it's more along that side line of things more than a liability. Mm. Um, and in a lot of the bigger things, like if you look at one shows with a lot of rigging, 
these are binders and binders. Um, but, you know, they're shows which were above me, generally. Um, I guess more specifically, with my background with woodworking and furniture, uh, straight out of school, I studied furniture and 3D product design. Um, that was kind of my finding the, the path of furniture making. Um, on top of that, I also studied uh, to become a teacher of design technologies, which is what we call shop class um, on this side of the pond. I don't know if it's universal, um, but I, I never finished that degree because I kind of knew that teaching a class where most of the students take it as a slack off class and didn't really put 100% into it would just totally destroy me because it is something that I love doing and I love sharing it. But if you're not getting a return from your students, it's just got to be so tough and it wasn't, wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I did several small gigs, just building stuff here and there, but, um, yeah, I bought a sawmill. Um, oh, wow. And then, so at the same time as buying the sawmill, I rented a factory, which is about an hour and a half away from where I am now. Uh, that lasted all of six months because my <laughs> lovely neighbor made enemies with the local bikies. Oh, and he got torched and <laughs> got burnt out in the car park. And Jeez. needless to say, it wasn't a very comfortable spot for me to be. So it was my first venture closed down pretty quickly. Um, you had to sell the sawmill? Oh, I've still got the sawmill, but it's been in storage since since then. Was um, it a swing arm or a bandsaw? Just a bandsaw. Yeah, cool. But I mean, the thing, the thing is, I've still got stock on my shelves at the factory here, which is from right. that little venture. So <laughs> it's it, it was worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than that, I've been in this factory for just, well, I've been doing it full-time for two years. I've been in this factory for just over a year. Um, and I guess work-wise, I do, I mean, the, the workshop is fully set up for solid timber furniture. I'm not a cabinet shop. I haven't got very many uh, things in place for processing sheet goods. I mean, I have a panel saw and a wide belt sander, which is known for cabinet stuff, but I don't use it in that way. Mm. Um, but yeah, my interest is in solid furniture, and that's generally what I keep to doing. Uh, yeah. And you've just gone into having some kind of store now, like a, a walk-in store? Yeah, so I've, I've closed off the front section of my shop, so probably only about 15 square meters. Um, and that has given me a spot to display my smaller items, which I can make if I'm ever quiet, cool. uh, which doesn't happen that often. And every time it looks like I am quiet, someone tends to walk in the door needing something yesterday. You're right. Um, as is what's happened this week twice. It, it just gives me a, a good spot to stock up on small items. If I'm quiet, uh, I have something to work towards in the, in the workshop here. And if I'm Selling at market stalls and things like that also gives people a welcome storefront to come into and not mm. feel so worried about 
coming into a factory. Um, yeah. I find that my clients that do come in for face-to-face meetings actually do quite appreciate having that spot to come in and I can give them a few examples of finishes, a few different yeah. uh, like edge profiles in particular. So I have two different dining tables out there. That's one good. with a round over, one with a nice, <clears throat> nice machined edge. And it, it just gives you know the clients a good visualization of what sort of things I can offer. Um, it, it is annoying though because it does take away from workshop space which I mean, I've got plenty of compared to yeah. a lot of these guys out there, but yeah. you know, as soon as you have the space, you will fill it. Yeah, I'm the same. I had to put a little smoker room in, into my workshop and um, it's a corner that I want. <laughs> yeah. You're, you think it's a great idea until a few weeks after you've done it, yeah. and you start realizing how valuable that space was. Yep. Like I've just finished putting in a spray, well, a finishing room uh, which is basically boxed in three quarters of my mezzanine, right? And it's a great space to have. It means I've—I mean, I've been spraying all day today, and I've been machining outside. Mm. Uh, you know, my finishes are beautiful, but I've realized how much space under there I could have used for everything else. Yeah, <laughs> but I, you know. I do remember when you moved into that shop. When was so that was a couple of years ago? You say? I remember yeah, about, about a year ago. Yeah. That was all part of the vlog. And um, I remember seeing the shop then and looking at it because you took a bit of a break and then you came back and you did a, a bit of a tour of the shop and all the changes. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, that shop got very small very quickly. <laughs> it looked so big when I moved in. Yeah. It's nothing, nothing, nothing but tight now, I'd say. Yeah. Talking, Hi, talking about, well, t just one last thing, talking about um, the uh, YouTube side of things, what, what got you into filming and, and doing YouTube? Because, you know, obviously we've talked about your, your business side of it, but what got you started on, on YouTube? You know, it was, it's, it's actually similar to uh, Joey in, in some regards anyway. So when I first started it, it was more documenting my progress and my process, both of those things, and to actually have an archive of things I've done. Um, when I first started my YouTube channel, I didn't have the end game insight of actually being a full-time factory owner and doing this as my career because I was quite heavily involved in theater life still and I, I loved that still. Um, so it was more of a just keeping track of things and sharing it um, with people that might have been interested. And then it's kind of a contagious, well, not <laughs> contagious, but infectious is probably the better word because you yeah. do it. And then you get one video that gets a lot of views or even if you're a small channel, it's just starting out and you get that first video that gets a thousand views. I still remember the feeling you get of being, oh, wow, a lot of people have seen this. Yeah. And it just makes you want to keep kind of doing it. Um, and then the connection I have with YouTube and this workplace, I mean, my YouTube is not what I've called my factory. I've tried to keep the two a little bit separate because I, I mean, it's personal reasons, but I like to separate them. But it's been quite a driving force of my success here because I've never had to advertise, yet mm -hmm. I'm very, very rarely without work. And if I haven't got work, 
I have this weird knack of people just showing up needing something done. Yep. So it tends to happen when I'm stressed about, oh, I haven't got anything on next week, and then <laughs> a last-minute order will come in. Yep. And then I ask people, oh, so how did you hear about me? And they've actually seen me on YouTube, and they've Googled George Woodshop, and they found my my trading name with periodic furniture through through different revenues. So yeah, cool. It's an important thing for me to keep going with. But yeah, well, it's amazing. All the people, and obviously, this is just within our within our little community. But all of the people that I talk to, as soon as I mention George Woodshop, oh yeah, I know what George Woodshop. I watch it all the time. Don't obviously don't know you from Bar Soap, but you've got that presence online as being one of the, the bigger players. And I think because you've been doing you've been doing this the longest out of the three of us, you've got that reputation now. So I can imagine absolutely that that must work pretty well in your favor. Yeah, it's quite quite a funny thing actually. I've got a, a funny story about I won't I won't say who this artist was, but I used to tour with this individual uh, comedian. If he watches this, he'll know who he is. But <laughs> I was touring with him, and he's quite a big-headed, strong person, strong like strong opinion on himself. And we're in an airport uh, over east, and he loves it when people come up to him and ask for a handshake or a photo or a selfie. And we're walking through this airport, and this person comes up behind us and uh, says, "Excuse me." And he's like, <laughs> he gets all ready for the photo, and he's like, gets himself ready. And I was like, Hey, how you doing? So, are you Jordan from George Woodshop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. How are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, God. Just oh, had a good chat with him, and this guy just got deflated to this. <laughs> Put him in his place. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's probably my crowd's moment. Of my yeah. That's very cool. Australian work, workplace recognition. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. Um, we, Joey and I, when we were talking earlier, we were saying that. We really want to tap into the business side of things as a conversation later on. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, you, you and I have spoke, spoken very briefly about the markets, and I'm really keen to get into some more information on that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I am someone who's just starting what you guys are now veterans in. Um, I'm just getting into this game. But my story goes back, let's go back probably about 10 years. So I'm originally from South Africa. I was I lived in South Africa until I was about 24. Then I moved to London, where I met heaps of Kiwis and Aussies, and you guys just convinced me to move over here. Um, that, I mean, that's a bit of a lie, but yeah. Um, we, myself and my then girlfriend, we spent a lot of time in London, it was great. And our visa expired. So the next place that we could move to was Australia. So one thing with the South African passport is it's very hard to uh, to go anywhere. That passport doesn't give us access to very many places. Her family lived in Australia, so it seemed like the easy move, and that brought us over here. So we got to Adelaide in 2013, and that was when I bought my first home. And I'd always been sort of disinterested with DIY, you know, dad, dad would always show me what he was doing. And as a teenager, I didn't care. I just wanted to go out and party with my mates. And I bought my first home and suddenly I thought, I don't know anything. Like, I don't, I don't know how any of this works. And it, 
obviously now you look at it and it's all, it's all pretty basic stuff, but at the time I didn't know what was going on. So obviously the first thing I did was jump on to the internet or YouTube at the time. And I remember just being so fascinated by everything that was there. Like you could, you could, you could search for anything and you'd find it on, on YouTube. And that's sort of, you get into that binge watching cycle and you know, you just you get stuck into this loop and you're just watching, watching. And it was through that process that I realized well, I discovered this whole YouTube community. And at that time, I remember thinking, I want a part of, I want a piece of this. I don't, it's not like I'm just going to film something and see what happens. Like I wanted to be, uh, you know, I wanted to be Bob Claggett or <laughs> the rest of, and, um, one of the reasons for that is I've grown up my whole life playing in bands. So I've been on stage since the age of 15. Yep. Then, so I've always, that entertainment, that in, entertainment lifestyle has always just been something that I'm drawn to. And then in, uh, it was around 2013, 2014, I started a small company filming music videos for low budget musicians, which I really enjoyed. I've always just enjoyed the film side of things. So when I found this whole community on YouTube, it was just this perfect like merging of my two favorite things, which was one being on, on stage and entertaining and the other filming. And now I had this, this perfect um, topic or, or, or thing that I could film. So I, yeah, I, I got into it immediately from day one, I was doing one week, uh, one video a week, trying oh, to, yeah. trying to get it going, trying to get it going. Um, I, I, it took me a long time to have the success. Well, you know, the relative, relative success, success. <laughs> that you guys are, are having. Um, I only got my, I only got my first real big video a year after I'd started. So I went from getting 100, 200 views on a video to then suddenly, wham, I, I got this video, which just went bananas. And so it was, it was a real hard slog, but because I enjoyed it, because I enjoyed the process, didn't bother me. I was doing what I enjoyed. I, I got into the DIY side of things, loved it, and I and I was filming it so I could make these short films. So it was it was really cool. Anyway, so really got stuck into the YouTube side of it, filming all of my DIY projects, and through that I discovered woodworking because I think DIY and woodworking obviously is quite related. You, you end up with a shed, and you want to do something in that shed, and you've got your electronics, metalwork, woodworking. Like those are your your three things. And so I, I just got into the woodworking thing a bit more because I, I realized that that was quite enjoyable. And now I've got to the stage where this is a new house that I bought in July of this year. There's so much work that needs to be done in this house, but I'm looking at my workshop behind me and I'm going, oh, but I could just make one more table. <laughs> and so I'm having to pull myself away from the workshop and say, no, you need to get back to the, the DIY side of things. So, I've got to the point now where I want to make the woodworking my primary focus as with, with, with Joey and um, Jordan. So I am, this year I registered a company. Um, I've made a few pieces of furniture, which I'm now trying to sell. As I mentioned, Jordan and I spoke recently about getting it to market. So I'm basically at the, 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 the beginning stage, the early stages of where the other two are trying to trying to break into that market. Mm -hmm. So right now I would call, consider myself a woodworker YouTuber, but yeah, I'm 
trying to trying to get to that point where you're on I'm the road. My first yeah. Sale. Oh, yeah. yeah, cool. So this Sunday, I have someone coming around to look at a table that I put up for sale. Is that the Jarrow one? No, no. So this is a, an older one. It's a, wow. it's a live edge coffee table. It's quite yeah. nice. I don't particularly like it. So <laughs> I'm happy to say <laughs> take tell, it. I tell them that, though. <laughs> so the price is like stealing it from me. Yeah. So the price, like, it's, it's horribly underpriced. Right. But as I say, I don't like it. It's a foot in the door. You know, they may come back as a return customer. So, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, this Sunday I'll, I'll, I'll have invoice zero 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 one. Some pocket money. Yeah, I remember invoice zero 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 one. Yeah, it was rough. So yeah, and then that brings us to where we are today. Um, and I think the three of us are all in, in agreement that we are trying to do YouTube a little bit more. We'll make it a little bit more of a, you know, a full-time gig, and that's why we've decided to do this podcast. Yeah, yep, pretty much. Take it a bit more seriously, for for my standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and before putting this podcast together, I went online and, and and did a bit of searching to see who in Australia was doing something similar similar to this. And I couldn't find anything. Now it could be out there, and, and if it is out there, obviously I, I mean no disrespect, but I couldn't find mm. a real solid. Um, what's the making it? Um, would talk or crafted podcast? All of those guys, I couldn't find one like that here in Australia. And not to make this an Australian podcast, it's not. But we have our own little community, and and. And I should probably say when I when I talk about Australia, I'm kind of just pulling Australia and New Zealand in together. Um, so yeah, so our little community on this corner of the globe, we don't have anything no, yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely, I think we we're we're well overdue for some representation on the main stage. So yeah, we we lag behind. Yeah, we're gonna fix it. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, too late, but that's okay. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I was I was down at um, Adelaide Maker Fair a couple of weeks ago, and I was amazed at the excitement on these people's faces and at all these stalls. And having grown up in bands and going to watch bands and going to festivals, it was a different level of excitement. And so that whole maker scene, it's here. Mm. It just needs to be almost unified or you yeah, know, yeah, 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 sure. Together. Yeah. All right. right. Uh, well, what we might do, um, I don't know if any, I know obviously no one's said anything in the chat. Um, so I don't know if anyone is watching. No, probably us breaking stream wasn't a good uh, start. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this was the first So that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. trying to talk and do this. And yeah. So we got there in the end. Uh, but as, as I said earlier, this was the first episode. So was more of a trial run than anything. So, yep. uh, okay. So, coffee. Yeah, there we go. So we've got one person. <laughs> good. Um, so, are we going to talk about anything about we're working, or are we going to call it now? Yeah. To, okay. Uh, so that's going to be the next thing. So, what I want to do is I really want to talk about mention two different topics. One is what we're working on at the moment, yep. and the second is who we are watching. Okay. So if you want to head us off there, Joe. All right. I'll, we'll do this pretty quick because I guess we're going kind of it's dragging on. Um, right. I've got a bunch of work on. I've made a wee list. 
uh, I'm working, just started on a American cherry Buddhist altar, which is uh, interesting. That's very interesting. Completely out of my wheelhouse. I had to do, ask the client a lot of questions. And there's lots of specific measurements, or should I say, it seems like there's lots of numbers they don't want to be incorporated into the design. So I gave them the design with lots of measurements and then I had to tweak a few things by a couple of millimeters here, 10 millimeters here. So the numbers were good numbers as far as I can work out. Um, so it did play with pro proportions, it's a bit weird, but that's what it is. Um, I've got some giant uh, barn doors on the go, 2.7 by 1.2 barn doors. They're 60 mil thick. It's crazy. Um, can't move them, can't lift them. Yeah. Um, uh, what have I got? Oh, I'm meant to be starting a... Last year, I don't know if you remember, I did a... a uh, what they call it? A cube box. I just made this random box out of my scraps from the previous year and oh, I gave yeah. it away. I um, I'm making another complicated box and now I've stalled on that and I'm trying to get my head back into it. I'm going to give that away as well, but I need to finish it. Uh, I just finished a Sapelli door, which some people may have seen. <laughs> if you haven't, go and check out Joey's door and uh, t tell him what you think. Yeah. Tell me that I shouldn't have painted the door. It's a good color, though. Yeah. White's, white's good, man. White's white. Keeps it cool. I will say, I guess, how do I say this politely? Um, if you want a cheap door, go buy a cheap door. But if you want a good door that's going to last forever, get me to make it, and I don't care if you want it painted. At least it's going to last yeah. forever. Um, yeah, that's really true. That's what I'll say. Uh, I'll do my what I'm watching now as well, just because I'm talking. Um, yeah. Uh, Dorian Brack, Brackt, Brackt, I'm not sure how the uh, pronunciation is. He's a German guy. He's uh, probably in a similar situation to me and Jordan. He, I, I think he works in a joinery shop, a uh, furniture shop. Um, but he has a series on Japanese joints that uh, he's been doing, and they're outrageous. You need to go see how um, crazy, talented, and patient this guy is. Uh, he's a really good dude. We've been chatting a little bit on his videos. And he's made a couple of furniture pieces as well on his YouTube channel. So go check him out, subscribe, do cool things. Cool. Yep. Um, so I am basically done on a barbecue cart. So mm. that's what I was working on this week. This was a this is a thing for me. I'm not, I'm not planning on putting it up for sale. It's just a, a relatively inexpensive uh, cart that I can put next to my barbecue with a nice mobile hard wood top. Um, and it was more of a, it, the, the rest of the leg assembly is all made, of, made out of pine. So it was about getting it out fairly quick, but it was just a nice way for me to practice. So um, that video I should have out Sunday, probably Sunday night, which I'm quite excited about because it actually, for a pine piece of furniture, it actually turned out better than I was expecting, which is yeah. pretty cool. And in terms of what I'm watching, uh, Badger's Workshop. He's Badger. a Badger's Workshop or Badger, I think it's Badger's oh, yeah. Badger Workshop. Yeah, Badger's Workshop. Yeah, right. So yeah. I've been watching him for a while and he's he's got some, some pretty cool stuff. But in his most recent video, he made a one of these like wag uh, I don't know what you'd call it. There's a special word for it, I can't remember, but it's basically like a wooden caravan. And he made one not too long ago 
And I just got the, the impression that he was doing this for himself, like as a little project. But it turns out that he's actually selling these. <laughs> and in his most recent one, it's this little it's this little cart that you'd hook up to your trailer, and he's made one for a customer that's just entirely a bathroom. <laughs> anyway, it it's it sounds it sounds fairly simple, but was he, it like one of those teardrop style trailers, like a small but wooden? Similar, but it's right. got a more antique feel so oh, it's cool. more traditional yeah, yeah. um you know the the, the joinery the construction yeah. so i like teardrops you know i think they are cool but this to me is something different anyway he's put out a, a a video recently of a new one that he's made and i just from a novice builder builder's perspective it's very interesting watching these small little houses or buildings come together so badges badges workshop check it out it's these these cool. asking few videos have been good cool all right well, that was the first episode of the Shop Store podcast, uh, hosted by myself, Robin Lewis from Robin Lewis Makes, Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks, and John Crawford from Periodics Furniture oh, Studio. Okay. Oh, there he is. Uh, He's no. doing his best Robocop impersonation. <laughs> All right, we have to call it. Yeah. So we will be broadcasting this every Thursday at this time. So share and share alike, tell your friends, and we hope to see you next week. And what we will do is get more involved in the chat next week as well. So, yeah. uh, I don't see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, Jordan. Are you back? No. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you again. See ya.